My next guest today is an author, but not as you know it. Rihanna Pratchett is attending her first ever literary festival here in Dubai as a writer of scripts for video games. Rihanna's worked on top-selling titles like Tomb Raider and the follow-up Rise of the Tomb Raider, Heavenly Sword, Overlord and Mirror's Edge. Rihanna, welcome to Emirates World. Now, most young people setting out to be a writer like yourself would probably think in terms of a novel, but instead your writing has been published in the form of video games. Now, was that by accident or a conscious decision? It's been about and for video games. So I started writing about them as a journalist. I trained as a journalist in London at the London College of Communication, part of London College of Art. I did journalism because I really didn't know what to do with my life. And, and doing a journalism qualification is very good if you don't know what to do with your life because it's a little bit of everything. And it was a very well-respected journalism degree. And I got to go to London and I came from rural Somerset so you know, you know London was kind of big city bright lights and I started professionally writing for a women's magazine at the end of the course it was a women's magazine called Minx aimed at 18 to 24 year olds it was a little bit rock and roll a little bit more edgy than other women's mags at the time and and they asked me to cover games for them because I knew I was a big gamer I've been a, a gamer since I was six years old um, and I so I started reviewing games for them and then sort of spent the next I guess four years reviewing games and I joined a magazine called PC Zone and went all over the world interviewing developers and seeing how games were put together. So that's sort of where I first started out in the games industry. Now, your father, of course, Terry Pratchett, was one of the most prolific and successful writers of the 20th century. To what extent did you set out to, to, to follow in his footsteps as a, as a writer? None, none whatsoever. In, fa in fact, I saw his footsteps and wanted to go in a completely different direction. Really? I'm surprised. Um, you know, the, the trouble with following in someone's footsteps is, you know, you're never going to be the first. You know, I, I'd rather find a... a, a path left travelled really especially by a, another member of your family and even though we both write writing uh, for, for games is very different from writing for novels so it was a sort of quite a diversion from writing for novels and, and you know dad and I would sometimes talk about the differences um, but I, I was very keen to, to, to kind of make my own way in the world and find my, my own place and not sort of you know, just become a novelist like he was because, you know, it's very difficult apart from anything else. And, I, you know, I just wanted to try something different and, and more visual. I've always been drawn to, to visual mediums. So how did the first opportunity come about to author a game? Well, my, well, it sort of very gradually, really, because I didn't start out writing all of a game. I started helping out with bits and pieces and then, then sort of growing my credits from there. So the first game I worked on was a, as a story editor and it was called um, Beyond Divinity. And I was just helping them polish up the script because it was written by a um, uh, not native in, in English speaker and they just wanted an English speaker to help polish things up. And I, so I helped with that. And at the time uh, I was doing it, there were you know a, a games writer as a specific career wasn't really a thing um and so i th i basically came out of doing that job and thought oh, this is this is more interesting than continually pitching editors for work I'll, I'll see if i can get some more jobs like this it really was that that kind of random and so i just went to developers i knew and I said hey i'm helping out with narrative um let me know if you can use use me and, and they sort of said oh well, all right then i'll give you a go and i just you know, I did a little bit of level dialogue or a bit of mission dialogue and I worked on a Spongebob game and a Pac-Man game and then my first 
big game was called Heavenly Sword, one of the early titles for, for the then PS3. Um, I worked with um, Andy Serkis, who is our, our dramatic director and also played our antagonist in the game. Um, and also Anna Torv, who obviously went on to, to work on, on Fringe and Mindhunter. Um, and you know that was a, that was a, a really great experience, a very cinematic game. It was tough, tough game to work on, uh, and it really was sort of a baptism of fire. But it got me interested in in kind of cinematic storytelling and in, in what we call AAA games, which are like the the kind of blockbuster movies of the game world. And yeah, it was just through my industry connections. I'd just been kind of bumbling around the industry for many years, and I'd sort of met up with Ninja Theory several times at speaking events or on panels and so networking is so important in the games industry in, in any entertainment industry really now sorry to ask the obvious question but for any people listening to us now on this emirates flight any budding writers what's the primary difference between writing for a video game and writing say for tv the cinema or a novel well, you consider your audience uh, a lot more when, when writing a game. So when you're writing for, for film, TV, and even novels to a certain extent, as an audience member, you're really passively absorbing the story. You know, you're, you're, you're sort of taking in, you're being told the story. So with, with games, you're in the middle of it. You are the story. The story is happening around you. The, the story is being shaped by you. It's all because of you. And so that's a very powerful feeling. So you're always considering the player as the writer and the experience the player is having as, as they go through the game and you're all shaping their, you know, their experiences to have the best possible, most immersive experience that they can. Um, and so that's one of one of the uh, ways it differs. Um, also, games aren't usually story-led, like film or TV, where you, you'd have a script first. With games... You know, you have the gameplay first, the mechanics that, that you know, how the, how the player will kind of interact with the game, how they will play the game. That is usually decided first and then the story is kind of crafted around those mechanics and levels and setting. Um, it's becoming a little bit more common for story and gameplay to be developed at the same time. But um, this wasn't always the case in the past. And, and when, when I was a journalist in the industry, I, I was never introduced to writers. Um, you know, there were the probably designers who did a bit of writing or producers, but, I, but there was no one who was really a game-specific writer. Um, and yeah, and that, and that was what, how the industry used to work. It was one area of games which wasn't done by, by a professional in that field. And that, that sort of changed quite a lot in the last decade. Normally, if you're a writer, it's behoven to you to come up with the plot and the characters and put all that together. With with video games, are you presented with a plot and presented with characters, or do you, how much say do you have in the development of both of those? Bits and pieces. There's no real one way of doing things, and and a lot can depend on the genre of game you're working on. So, for example, a role playing game or adventure game would need more narrative than, say, um, a strategy game. Um, depends when you're brought on board. Uh, writers in the past have been often hired quite late in the process. A, a job I refer to as being a narrative paramedic. So you're, you're kind of uh, brought in to save a dying story. Um, and, you know, it, a story that's usually falling apart because no one's given it love and attention during the development process. And you're never quite sure what you're going to get when you, when you come in as a writer. It's kind of like you get a, a box of narrative body parts 
plants pushed across the table to you <laughs> and it might contain you know as you say a, a little bit of backstory it might might contain a sort of vague outline of what they want the story to be it probably involves some some character artwork um maybe some some levels or setting ideas but you're you're never too sure like i've worked on games that, that have been almost completely designed with no narrative in mind and none of the the why questions that you would normally be working out as you wrote something have been asked and answered so they've they've got kind of visuals that they like because they, they like the style or it looks cool but they haven't thought about why a character looks like this why they move like this why a city looks like this and so i've had games where i've had to sort of wrap narrative round what was already there um, and that's quite a unique way of working it, it doesn't as often happen like that um, ideally you, you're developing things alongside the developer and it's a very organic process so your script is always reacting to what is happening on the on the gameplay side of things on the level design side of things so you never know if you might have to adjust your script because you know they, they've had to drop a level or they're moving the levels around or they want a character to die um, which i've had to deal with on, on numerous occasions and so you you end up it does have to be very iterative and very flexible the budgets are stupendous aren't they they're, they're, some of these games cost more than a hollywood movie to produce and some of the revenue yeah i mean what we call the triple a end um, absolutely they can make a lot of money and, and I think it's Grand Theft Auto 5 was the biggest selling piece of entertainment in the world not much of that goes to writers and, and most writers do not earn royalties for, for games unlike say a novelist or, or a comic book writer would you, you tend to sort of work at, at a day rate or a milestone rate um, especially if you work freelance like I do so it's it's not quite the same as, as kind of working as a novelist where you're, you you know you'll get royalties on sales um, but you know there, there are other advantages i mean how do you feel about that you see a game that you've worked on selling uh, being a smash hit and selling <laughs> millions around the world and and you're not getting your share i mean that must be quite well, frustrating surely usually you'll get a decent day rate especially if you, you've got an agent and they are few and far between in, in the game world unlike you know film and tv i mean my agent reps me for film and tv and and games as well which is very useful and you can get things like signing bonuses or bonuses on sales but you have to kind of really negotiate hard for that kind of thing so what are you up to at, at the moment are you still working on video games if you progressed onto other forms of writing? What's, um, what's I'm, happening I'm doing in your world? more work on film and TV projects at the moment. So obviously I, I started off a lot in games and I worked on some big franchises in games, um, uh, particularly female-led action stuff. So, um, and you won lots of awards too. What, a couple. <laughs> that's, always, that's always nice. Um, so I, I won the, the Writers Guild of America Award and, and the Writers Guild of Great Britain Award. And, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and I've been very privileged with the, the teams that I've worked with. So obviously the two Raider games um, from 2013 to 2015 have been my most well-known games. From the games I've worked in comics as well, so for, for Dark Horse and DC, Patron, and now I'm just moving into to more film and TV projects. So I tend to specialise in adaptations, so novel to screen adaptations. And my my work in games has really helped me 
with that because I'm always sort of trying to interpret ideas and pull things together and sew things up and build worlds and that's re- really helped come working on adaptations. And this is what you foresee for the for the future? Um, I, I hope so. Um, I'm always looking for new challenges and, you know, unfortunately I found that all the, the kind of points I'd earned in the game world, I could not cash in, in, in film and TV land. So I'm just sort of working my way up the ladder again, which is always sort of, uh, exciting and terrifying in equal measure. Um, and I have, I've written three adaptations now. Um, one of which is an adaptation of one of my dad's books called We Free Men. We've been working with, uh, the Jim Henson company on script development for that. My first one was a, a Scottish novel called Warrior Daughter by Janet Paisley. And the, the la- latest one I've been doing, which I'm not allowed to say what it is, but I'm working with Film 4 and, uh, the Bureau. And they've been really great to work with. So I'm kind of really enjoying that process. And now I just have to get something made. And this is your first visit to the Emirates Festival of Literature. How's it been? It's been wonderful. I mean, I, uh, you know, the, the festival has been great and the social events have been great. I got to go spy shopping with Madhu Jaffrey this morning. So that's kind of fulfilled a fantasy I never quite knew I had. But, the, you know, it, that was just amazing. And, and seeing the city and sampling the food. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've picked up about half a kilo of dried limes today. I'm not quite sure how it's going to last me a lifetime, I think. But, yeah, it's a really great festival. There's there's some great speakers here, and you know, I had my my session yesterday, and we had a really good turnout, and people were really enthusiastic, and, and lots of young women actually are very interested in what I do, so that's great to see. Well, it's your first festival. Let's hope it won't be your last. Thank you, thank you so much for joining us here on Emirates World. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, and uh, hey, let's meet up next year and see how things are going. I hope so. I, I, hopefully, if I can get through all my limes by then. <laughs>